that's what works looks like. And as a church, we'll continue to go on this journey of discovering the different ways we could put our faith into practice. And so this book of James is really the guiding post for our series on I Am Trying. And last week we talked about this idea that sometimes in trying we leave God out of it. And we'll reconnect with that in just a little bit and really discover how we can continue this journey without really burning out. And as we go into James chapter 2, my mindset was really on community. And as a church, our mission is growing community by loving, following, and sharing Jesus. That's within our church through connecting with each other and connecting to Jesus, but also through mission. That mission looks like um, helping out at the food basket, helping out at Outflow, helping out in the journey to uh, the Dominican, whatever that may be. I had the privilege as a pastor to show up to Costco uh, the other day and have a, um, a forklift put an entire pallet of 840 pounds of craft dinner, and it loaded my back of my pickup truck down pretty good, enough to have my wife worry about whether the truck would be able to sustain it and be able to drop it off here at the church. And now what was exciting is I was pulling, uh, you know, as I was driving the highway, not a whole lot of people were thinking a lot about it, but as I pulled into the KV intersection out here on Gondola Point, you could see the people looking at my vehicle and the joy on, on their face knowing exactly where that craft dinner is going to was evident. That's growing community. That's the practice that, as a church for the last 20 years, we've done. Right? And this past Wednesday, there was overflowing joy in my heart as everyone from the age of 17, as high schoolers came across from KBHS to serve, there was five students that came across, and every Wednesday there will be five students that continue to come across from KBHS during their third period in serving. So anyways, between the age of 17 and the age of 91, Jim Hope in the back, uh, you know, 51 volunteers showed up to serve craft dinner. Amazing. As a church, that's putting our faith into practice. Now, I had to clean up a little bit after Jim as he spilled some of the juice. I'm fine with that. I can, I can handle cleaning up after Jim. Um, but the, the idea is here, we're, we're trying. We're trying as a church to grow community. And here's the key, is, is, it is the trying factor. The trying thing is the most important part. But the issue that happens is that in trying, what did, we, what did I say last week we, we do? We contract the word I am trying to I'm and leaving a very important part out. And we forget one thing. Part of forgetting is something I, I do well. I'm a, I'm, I, I have the ability to forget quickly. I have a very bad short-term memory. I'm talking like within seconds I forget, can forget what someone told me to do or I can forget where I put my water bottle. People are used to it. Uh, and they kind of follow in behind me in, and, and pick up the pieces. That's who I am. I, I try. I try to remember things, particularly playing sports. Last night was our first KBC hockey game. We lost to Seventh-day Adventists because their day is Saturday, a holy day. I'm sure they're, they're more uh, equipped to play on a Saturday than we are, you know, so they're more blessed on that day. So they did, they did beat us. And, um, and in hockey, one of the things that I struggle with is uh, 
forgetting to actually stop sometimes. Most people will say, Brian, you never stop. You just keep going in circles. I'm like, I, I know, I know. I, I, I try. I, I, I really try hard to, to be a little bit more uh, of a, of a stop-and-go type of hockey player, but I, I don't. I, and, and, and I forget in that process of trying, I forget what I'm trying to do. And I think when it comes to faith, we try so hard that we forget what we're trying to do. If you can follow me on this just a little bit, in trying to do something good, we forget why we're trying to do something good. Like for um, the four that are heading down to, to Dominican, at one point, they'll wonder to themselves, why are we doing this? In anything, craft dinner, that was a big question for us as we finished off last year and I had the, the conversation with the principal over at KBHS. The question of why am I doing something is so important. Why am I even trying to do this? And it could go to anything in faith, like waking up and reading your Bible. Why am I really trying to do this? It comes to anything in life. So James, I believe, is a very key passage when it comes to this. And so from James chapter 2, verse 14, we see in trying to do good works, sometimes we forget about our faith altogether. So that's where Paul went to the idea, well, it's not about works, it's about faith. And then again, that pendulum that I was talking about. So let's go back to the start of chapter 2, if you still have your Bibles open with you. And let's begin reading in verse 1 to 7, because I think there's an important key aspect to this entire chapter that we have to gain in what James is trying to get across. Again, what I said to you guys last week is James is very much like Proverbs. There's peace information in this. There's, there's not just, there's, there isn't a linear development of ideas here. There's peace work here. So James chapter 1 to 7 really sets a framework for how, as followers, we should be treating people in community. It's about favoring the rich over the poor is what's going on here. And James really has, has to come down a little bit hard on them. James chapter 2 verse 1 says, My brothers, as believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, don't show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes and a poor man in shabby clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand there. Or sit on the floor by my feet, have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my dear brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit kingdom? He promised those who love him. But you have insulted the poor. It is not the rich who are exploiting you. Are they not the ones who are dragging you into the court? And are they not the ones who are slandering the noble name of him to whom you belong? And here's the key verse that I really want to uh, draw into. It's verse 8. But before I draw into verse 8, I want to look back at this conversation about favoring the rich over the poor. And I believe as a church, we're actually pretty decent of that. We live in an affluent community. But in an affluent community, it's our ability to give beyond our means sometimes. And in the situation like uh, the Life Aid, giving $3,000 out of the blue in some ways to help further the mission and, and, and such in, in, in different parts of the world. We're very good at that. As a church, I believe that we've done really good at growing community through mission work around 
our community and even further. We've gone local, we've gone regional, we've gone across the world. And I'm really excited about Bolivia in June of 2024 and being able to lead a trip down into that area of the world, continually expanding our reach. And I love when people think about the poor in everything they do. I had a conversation the other day with a lady about uh, this sea, a sea container home. She was thinking about this idea, what if we um, set up a sea container village that would be homeless for the less fortunate? She says we would be able to charge $500 a month and we'd have these sea container homes. And I love how people think that. And I love like Jamie Hall uh, and, and how he just really thought about outflow and thinking about how we can restore dignity and renew life and realize hope in people. But here's what's happening in trying. We try so hard that we forget why we're trying. We always have to have the why in front of us. Why am I trying so hard? And here's what happens in trying, especially when you're saying, I'm trying. We talked last week about the apostrophe. And if you bring up that image of I'm trying, again, the apostrophe is something we place into the word to contract. But in contracting the word I'm, you remove the A, which is removing, I said last week, God from the trying. And we forget about God and the trying. And when we do that, what happens is we burn ourselves out. We burn ourselves out in the I'm trying because we forgot the, we contract God out of it. And I believe that if we leave God in all that we do in trying, he will sustain us. In trying to do good, we forget to do good. In trying to do good, we forget to do good, and we burn out. So here's the prevention method. I don't want to go into this chapter and say, okay, you got to try harder at doing missions. you got to try harder at feeding the poor. you got to try harder at really clothing those that are naked. And that, that whole scripture verse we talked about, I think we're pretty good at that. I think we're pretty good at works. What I want to get across is how do you bring God into the works? How do you keep the faith in the works? As I was preparing this message on Monday... There's an evolution of my message as I pray through it. I really focus hard on Monday to read the scripture and say, okay, God, what do you want me to say? And that evolves over time to even a point on a Saturday night around midnight. I'm like, oh, my goodness, I, God has prompted me on a whole nother journey. And that journey that he's prompted me on is steering away from this idea of works and beginning to see what's the opposite of works. And here's where chapter verse 8 comes in. Here's where... Verse 8 comes in of chapter 2. Just had this conversation about not discriminating. And we're going into a conversation about clothing the naked. And in this process, I believe we have to consider moderation. Because I already said, as we try really hard, burnout is an inevitable. And I believe that verse 8 is key. It's kind of in between these two sections. And it says these words, if you really keep... The royal law found in scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convinced by the, by the law and the lawbreakers, are convicted by the law and lawbreakers. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. 
Here's the key, the royal law. We know it. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Right? We got the, you know, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. But the key here is, in this passage, is love your neighbor as you love yourself. And you are doing right. If you break one of those commandments, right? Okay, let's pause on this for a second. We've just talked about the idea of loving our neighbor. We're really good at that. Really, really good at that. We try really hard to love our neighbor. Is loving your neighbor the whole part of that rule? The law? Is loving your neighbor the main commandment? No, the main commandment is not loving your neighbor. The main commandment is loving yourself. Follow me on this. It says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. You can't love your neighbor more than you love yourself. Follow that? Love your neighbor as yourself. You're doing right. See, what happens is we do so much for the community that we forget, we forget about ourselves. And we burn ourselves out. In trying so hard, we forget the little pieces that God says, but I want you to enjoy and love yourself. We've been doing a series called Going Places with high schoolers, and we've been working through a uh, Bible reading plan. It's been very encouraging to see the engagement of our high schoolers every day. I get these notifications saying, you know, uh, so-and-so has finished their Bible reading plan for today. It's been really encouraging. And one of the devotionals was talking about air travel particularly, and the stewardess always gets up and gives the rules. You know what I'm talking about? Most people ignore them, but there's one particular part that's always kind of curious. You know, you got all of these things. But then she says, she says these words, or it comes over the loudspeaker, um, and they said, you know, in case of emergency, right, which you hope is like 0% chance, right, because I'm thinking emergency on aircraft, that's, anyways, you know what I'm talking about. In case of emergency, there will be oxygen masks that fall from the ceiling. And what's the instruction in the oxygen mask procedure? What do you do first? Yeah, you, you, you have to take care of yourself. Put the oxygen mask on first, then help the person beside you. That's the correlation here in the scripture. God is saying, take care of yourself first. Love yourself first. In this entire series, I want to talk about two things we can do from here. Last week, do you guys remember what the two things were? What was the two? What was the two? What do you want to do? Don't, don't, don't forget on me. You want to spend two minutes, pause, and listen. Yeah, and spend time in God's word. Two extra minutes. Maybe you're doing an hour a day, just say, okay, I'm just going to two more minutes. If you do it no minutes a day, just two minutes. Two minutes... Again, two minutes in our life. If you do two minutes of cardiovascular activity in a day, it'll decrease, you know, uh, heart disease by 50%. Two minutes, two minutes. Two minutes of reading. Today, I want to talk about two things you need to find in your life that fill you up, that make you feel like you're loving yourself. Because as Christians, we're really bad at that. We feel that we can't be selfish we feel that we can't be self-centered. We feel that we have to hold off on self. And I don't think that's scriptural at all. I really don't. God says, I want you to enjoy life. The, Bible, uh, the devil comes to seek, kill, and destroy. 
the I'm trying part is killing us without God. He says, no, I've come to give you life. I've come to be the A in your I'm. I've come to be God in your life so that you can have life to the full, to enjoy it to its fullness. But as Christians, we, we have rules against enjoying life, right? We have, we have a lot of rules. I think one of the reasons people don't like being a follower of Jesus in the church is because there's tons of people outside of the church that love Jesus. But they're struggling with the rules of the church. They're struggling at the I'm trying part to live life. And so as I, that, I was talking to you about the midnight thing, I was talking to you about the, you know, whole, how God really gets my attention. says, Brian, I really, like last night, played hockey. I thoroughly enjoyed myself. So much fun. Lost, but that's fine. There was joy in that. But it's not all about winning, right? Well, <laughs> it's nice to believe that. But I'm talking about rules such that I remember one main question my sister-in-law asked me before she committed her life to Christ. She asked, do I have to give this up? She, well, I won't tell you what exactly it was, but I, do I have to give this up? And my answer to her is, no. You don't have to give that up if it brings you joy. Now, if you need to give it up, God will convict you of that, and there will be a process of of. of of discernment and regeneration and such. But there are things in our life that I think as followers that we forget to allow to bring joy into our life. Now, moderation is a big, big part. They said everything in moderation, right? Had experience with cheese last night. Um, brought out, my sister-in-law brought out some particular types of cheese. And man, it was good. And I snacked and snacked and snacked in, on this cheese, and I realized if I snack too much tomorrow morning, there will be some problems. You know what I'm talking about? You know, as you get older, you know what I'm talking about. Right? There will be some blockage, holdbacks, whatever it may be. So everything in moderation, it was uh, like the senses. See, the word sensuality is a negative word in the church, Right? Would you agree? Sensuality is a negative word because there's a connotations to that, that, you know, that's worldly sensuality. No, God has created senses in our life to enjoy the things of life. There was, my taste buds were just exploding with the senses of that. And there's all kinds of things that needs to happen in moderation. I'll give you an example. Like bread, for example. Man, I love bread. I made these rules for Thanksgiving yesterday. And I ate one. Two, three, four. You know what I'm talking about when you get to five, six, seven, and eight? <laughs> right? There's, there's a certain amount. That was good. There was a great senses to that. And then there's a hold off. There's a, there's a thing as, as followers of Jesus, we have to understand that God has given us everything. Everything that God has created is good, but it's not good in large quantities. I'll give you an example of wine, for example. There's, there's senses with wine that's just, there's beautiful, like across the world, there's regions of the world that have so many different senses, but as followers of Jesus in the Christian church, particularly the Baptist church, know you have to abstain from all of that stuff. Hold back. Hold back from the cheeses, the breads of life. You've got to hold back from the wines of life. And then it gets to the whole, you know, intimacy part, the whole spouse thing. And, you know, Paul deals with that. James deals with that. No, it's good. 
enjoy the things of life. And God brought this scripture to me that I want to read to you when it comes to this. And here's the main point of what I'm trying to get before I get to these scriptures. You need to find the two things in life that you thought you couldn't enjoy and enjoy them in moderation. Find those two things. I don't know what those two things are, but I want you to go on a journey of discovering what God has given to increase your sensuality of life. Enjoy the things of life. And in doing that, you're bringing God into the I'm trying, and you're filling, and then you're loving yourself to love your neighbor. The more you love yourself, the more you love your neighbor. If you don't love yourself, the scripture, the golden rule says if you can't love yourself, you're going to be trying to love your neighbor and forget about me and burn yourself out. Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 7. It's a hard book to find in the Bible. If you're trying to find right in the middle, you know, got right in the middle you have, uh, you know, Psalms, you know, just, just head to Ecclesiastes from there. Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes chapter 9. Or chapter 9, verse 7, yeah. And it says these words, and this is brought to me this morning, and, and, and I was like, this is so good. Go, eat your food with gladness, and drink your wine with a joyful heart, for it is now that God favors what you do. Always be clothed in white, and always anoint your head with oil. Enjoy life with your wife, whom you love. All the days of this meaningless life that God has given you under the sun. All your meaningless days. For this is your lot in life and in your toilsome labor under the sun. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all of your might. For in the grave where you, you are going, there is neither working nor planting, planning nor knowledge nor wisdom. This life is given to you to enjoy. Stop trying without God. And bring him into it. Fill yourself up with the things that bring you joy. Love yourself beyond the capacity that you thought you could. Because that's how much God loves you. And realize that God has given you the things of the world to enjoy in moderation. And in moderation, we enjoy. You have to love yourself first. You have to... Take care of yourself. You have to put the oxygen mask on so you can breathe in life. And then you can love your neighbor beside you. It's not about being selfish or self-centered. But it's about doing it with God. That's awesome. I hope that's freeing. I hope that's freeing for you. I'm going to invite the worship team up and we're going to sing one more song. And in this, I just really want you to Pray into it this week. What are those two things that remind you that God is who he says he is? What are those things that bring the A back in and removes the apostrophe? What are those things that brings God back into it? Because he wants us to enjoy life. He wants us to. And it's that simple. His kingdom is simple. Love me with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. Love yourself. Find two things in your life that is going to help you do that. Find two things today. It's Thanksgiving. As you gather around the supper table 
And you're like, God, I'm so thankful for the food that I get to enjoy. Now stop at two buns, right? I'm going to do that today. I'm going to stop. There's only so much turkey I can handle. Cranberry sauce, whatever it is. Enjoy the things of life in moderation. Enjoy the senses of life. God has given them to us. And let's love ourselves with them. As Ecclesiastes says, let's love the things of this life and then we will love the people in our life so much more. Father, thank you for the simplicity of it. God, we as followers of you have sometimes put ourselves up in a pedestal of rules saying I can't enjoy certain things in life. But God, I want us to realize today that there are some things in life that we are to enjoy to the fullness within the moderation that you call us to. So this Thanksgiving, let us be thankful. Let us be thankful for the things you give us and enjoy them love ourselves with them and as we love ourselves with them we get to love your creation we get to love your people and we won't get burned out just trying because you're with us in the trying I think that's so cool so God as we sing this song we thank you for the simple kingdom simple kingdom of love. Love you. Love ourselves. Love our neighbor.